And now for our scripture reading this morning. Do you need no, I don't need translation today, brother. <laughs> Although some might think I do. <laughs> uh, Reese, come on up. This Reese Bird's going to come up. She's in middle school. She loves arts and crafts, and she has agreed to do our reading today. Luke 5, 31, 32. Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Thank you, Reese. Appreciate you very, very much. All right, Luke chapter 5. Let's turn the Bibles there. We've been working out of the book of Luke. And uh, uh, I have to say a little something about Alan's remarks. Uh, you know, he kind of got on Arkansas a little bit last week. Did y'all notice that? I was not offended because I understand Louisiana education. Uh, and also, uh, uh, since Roger DeLoach, he talked about is from Missouri, and, and I do know where the state line is, uh, Al, in case you don't. Uh, but his his sermon was his sermon was excellent. And the one thing I got out of the end of that uh, that sermon, his last point, was he really talked about in this in 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 the book of Luke how you went from damaged. Anybody remember? To uh, don't make me preach Al's sermon all over again just because you didn't get it. Went from damaged to delivered. Say that with me. Damaged to delivered. And that's what God is in the business of doing, right? Taking damaged people and delivering us. And that's what he does. And, and that's, what, uh, that's one of the things he says. This next level of discipleship, taking damaged people and delivering them and then, and then using them to take the gospel to the whole world. Really, Christianity in its simplest form is one man telling another where to find the bread of life, right? It's us becoming more like Jesus than we were the day before and hopefully sharing that with other people who can find this man called Jesus, more than a man. So in Luke chapter 5, he has some encounter with some people that otherwise other folks don't want to have anything to deal with. Have you ever had people like that, you know, you see them coming, you're like, ooh, duh, you know, uh, uh, do I really have to deal with them today? I mean, I know none of you are like that. You're not that person. You only see that person, right? Isn't that amazing? We're all, we, we're never that person. We only see that person coming. Well, there are people who uh, are just, uh, in some ways in life, because of what's happened, are, we use the word disgusting. These are people that you don't want to touch. You don't want to be around. And so, here in Luke chapter 5, in verse 12, we find this first encounter Jesus has is with a guy that has this thing called leprosy. Still a little reading. While Jesus was, uh, uh, is in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet to the ground and he begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. By the way, notice, he didn't doubt Jesus could do it. It was wondering if he was going, to, was going to be willing to do it. Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. 
Yet the news spread about him all the more, and the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of all their sicknesses. And Jesus often withdrew to a lonely, the lonely places and prayed. So his first encounter here with somebody that touching the untouchable is this man with leprosy. First of all, can you imagine how long it had been since this guy had actually been touched by anybody? Remember, they're going around town hollering when they come up on people, unclean, unclean, right? And so all of a sudden, here's someone who has something very physically disgusting about him. And to touch him would make you unclean. It would make you unholy. It would, it would contaminate you. Now, we kind of get an idea sometime about what might be dis- disgusting. Isn't it amazing? You can, uh, you can swallow your own saliva and it's fine. But if you spit it in a cup and then drank it, disgusting, right? Isn't that amazing? When it's inside, it's okay. But all of a sudden, when it's out, wait, ooh, ooh, Wes, what's that about? And there's this amazing tension between disgust and being clean, being holy. Matter of fact, to actually touch someone who had leprosy made you unclean. But it didn't make Jesus unclean because the holiness of the Son of Man did just the opposite. He's about making people who nobody else wants to touch in life clean. Why is it sometimes that churches get to get the reputation of rejecting the untouchables in our society? If you are overcome with alcohol, if you have committed drunkenness, you need to be here where we can touch you. If you are addicted to drugs, you need to be right here where we can touch one another. If you have committed adultery, you need to be right here where you can be touched by God in this family. If you've committed sexual immorality, you need to be right here in the middle of this family. You know why? Because we were all that same way. Totally unclean and untouchable, but Jesus touched us, cleaned us up, still cleaning us up. It's a process, right? Nobody is better than anybody else. And the church ought to be reaching out to the, to the people that the world says they're disgusting. We say, no, you come here. You got, I got AIDS, Mike. The church won't let me get in here. We'll love you. We love everybody because Jesus loves us. He's about touching the most disgusting lives that have been messed up. And if that's what Jesus did while he was here, as his body, it must be what we do as we act like Jesus here on this world. As has been said many times, the church is not a museum for saints, but a hospital for sinners. And we're all, I hate to disappoint you. But starting right here in the pulpit, we're all just a bunch of broken and damaged people. And we only can be in here together because of the grace and touch of Jesus Christ. So we can never take an attitude that someone, because they have sin in our life, doesn't belong here 
This is where you belong. Because of the power of the cleansing touch of Jesus. That's amazing. He tells this guy, go show himself to the priest. Now remember, under the Jewish law, this is what they did. And, and, and he's referring back to Leviticus chapter 14. When, when, uh, when someone was declared that the priest and the sacrifice didn't make you clean, they simply examined you and determined that you had been cleaned. And then they would make sacrifices of atonement for you. And then they would take blood from these sacrifices, and they put blood on the on the lobe of your ear, and on the on the thumb of your right hand, and on the toe of your right leg. Read it's a pretty interesting chapter, Luke, uh, Leviticus chapter uh, fourteen, on how the process was. It was an eight day process, and then you were welcomed back into the community because then you could worship again, then you could fellowship again. All those things have been taken away from you when you were unclean. But with us as Christians, when God cleans us from our sins, we are instantly made clean and made holy. Well, we go from disgusting to clean. The next we see we go from helpless to forgiven. Look at Luke chapter 5 again. One day... As he was teaching Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem were sitting there. And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. And some men carrying a paralytic on a mat tried to take him uh, into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd. By the way, I think that's interesting. The crowd, this guy, they're carrying this guy on a mat. He's obviously need some healing, and Jesus is in this house doing that, and the crowd lined up, they won't let him, they won't let him in. Have you ever told somebody, get, get back in line, I was here first. You know? I was in the pharmacy the, uh, uh, the other day, I was in the, going to Brooks' Pharmacy, and I come down one aisle to go right to the window, I walk right up to the window, and this other guy comes from another Aisle behind the counter, he didn't see me, and he turned around, and he's like, uh, where did you come from? And I'm like, well, I just walked up. And he's like, well, usually the line starts over, you know, like, like you go to the back of the line, buddy. I'm like, well, hey, you're welcome to go. I, I don't care. You can. And then I was just real nice to him. And then he's like, oh, no, no, I didn't mean anything. But, you know, then he's like, but it bothered him a little bit that somehow he missed me and thought I'd broken line. You can have my place in line. I, typically, when I get in the line, it becomes the longest one anyway, wherever I'm at. We, my family, we call it the Kellett Curse, because no matter what happens, I can be one person and 20 in the other, but there's going to be a price check and clean up on aisle five or something, and I'm going to stand there longer than everybody else. So it's okay. These folks wouldn't let him in line. Here's what they, they did. When they could not find a way because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and they lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, aren't those words you would love to hear told you? Wow. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, 
Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And immediately, 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 I said it three times for a reason. Because all this junk you see sometimes on TV or whatever about everybody being healed, when they do it like Jesus does it, then I might start believing a little bit more. Now, God can heal whoever he wants to, but he ain't giving me the ability to walk down and make somebody whole like that. He knows I take too much pride in it anyway. God does this. He stood up in front of them. Look what he's been lying on and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. So these four friends, now these are the kind of friends you want right here. I mean, they're going to come and, they, and you're paralyzed and they're going to carry you on your bed to get you healed. Even if it means tearing a hole in the roof and lowering you down. I love this guy. I call him the hole in the roof gang, right? I mean, they're coming up. They're figuring it out. They're going to get a new idea. How can we get this man to Jesus? They're going to do whatever it takes. When they lower him down, I love it that Jesus deals with his greatest need first. Even though he may not even understand it's his greatest need. His need to be forgiven. The helpless. He's helpless. He's helpless more ways than one. And Jesus gives him forgiveness. Now, if he had never been healed and never walked out of there, he still would have had the best day ever. Jesus heals him to show the religious leaders that the Son of Man has the power to forgive sins. They said, man, only God can do that. Hey, you're right, and I'm God. That's what he's proven to him. His authority over not only the physical, but his authority over the impoverished spiritual dilemma that people have. From helpless to forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Do you ever think sometimes if you just actually heard the voice of Jesus say that to you, you would believe it more? Do you think this guy went away and then when he, later on when he struggled with other sins in his life, do you think that he still doubted sometimes about his own life? Well, sure he did. Do you think he didn't have weaknesses and still had mess-ups in his life as he went on? Sure he did. But what ought to be ringing in your ears and mine is the voice of Jesus when we put our faith and trust in that death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, the voice of Christ, that should be ringing in my ears, you are forgiven. You know why? Because Satan continues this lie to tell you that every time you struggle and every time you mess up, that you are not forgiven, that you are guilty, that you are in shame. And Jesus died to take away your shame and take away your guilt and take away your sin. And it's time you quit letting Satan talk you into carrying it along with you along in life. 
Be forgiven. God declared it. You need to live like it and enjoy the forgiveness of God. Amen. My favorite amen all day right there. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. By the way, that's what they would do. They would purchase these booths from the Romans and then they would go and, and, and even though they're Jews, they're collecting taxes from their own people. Uh, their own people weren't too happy about that. Follow me, Jesus said, and Levi got up and left everything and followed him. Then Levi, he must have been done pretty good on the tax collecting because he holds this big, great banquet. Now, we've, we've, we went from one guy that couldn't touch anybody to another guy that had a few good friends, all of a sudden to a guy now that can afford a big banquet. So he held a big banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their uh, uh, sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax uh, collectors and sinners? And Jesus said, answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So now you have those that are looked down on, the tax collectors and the sinners are gathered up. They're having a big eating deal at the house. Now, I've been around this church a long time. There's a lot of big eating deals around this church family, right? There's some folks here that really know how to put on a feast. Matter of fact, years ago, we used to have them among some of our small groups. We'd all gather at one place and we called them pig outs. I don't know why I got that name, but uh, maybe because of how some folks ate there. But I don't know. But I'm telling you what, we could bring in a mess of food to and invite a bunch of people in. Invite everybody in you knew. Especially if you were a new Christian. Invite all those uh, people you used to run with that aren't Christians. Get them to come. Feed them. Feed, if you feed them, they'll come, right, Kay? I mean, she's fed a ton of them down there. If you feed them, they'll come. And then when, when they put their feet under your table and you have opportunity to have conversation, you can introduce them to this one named Jesus that changed your life. And that's what Levi did. That's what he did. And the religious people didn't like it. They said, what are you doing eating with that group of people? Why? That's a group of people in society that they've rejected. That's a group of people they don't like. That's a, that's a group of people they won't run with. Now, look, I'm not saying you need to run with your old crowd if you're a new Christian. That's dangerous. But I'll tell you what you can do. You can invite all them to come somewhere where some of the leaders here or some of the folks that converted you are sitting around talking about Jesus so they can convert more people. Do that. Don't cut everybody off that you knew. You don't need to do that. You need to invite them in a safe place for you to be able to get the news of Jesus to them. And that's what Levi did. He got accepted by Jesus and he wanted all the folks that he knew and were tied to to find this one that he found because it changed his life. Do you remember what that was like? 
when the gospel was so fresh on your heart that it changed your life? And you wanted somebody to find just what you found. You remember that? I remember the night I was baptized and I went home. Well, I went back to the apartment I lived in at college and a buddy of mine was there. I was still wet in more ways than one, but he said, what are you doing wet? It was the best question he could have ever asked. I said, let, let me tell you what happened. He's like, wait, wait, wait a minute. I don't know that I want to go, uh, go that route. No, I'm telling you, it's the best thing in the world, man. You, you got to get out of this mess we've been in. I found something that's changed my life. I'd like to say that all those guys I ran with all came to the Lord, but they didn't. Some did. Some did later on. And I'll tell you what, it's a blessing to run into somebody. That you, you know, they used to be in the world when you were, and to find out that they've named the name of Jesus, what a neat thing. And you both sit there and talk about what, how great it was to be rescued out of your mess. Well, Levi's trying to make that happen. And he's got all these folks at his house. You know, we live in a time where we've lost the power of hospitality. And, I appreciate going out and eating and all those kinds of things with people and you have some, some type, but it's not the same. Look, I don't care what size house you're in. I don't care. It doesn't matter if you live in a trailer or if you live in a mansion. It doesn't matter if you fix peanut butter and jelly sandwiches or if you grill somebody a steak. Get somebody to your house. Let them put their feet under your table. Restore the principle of hospitality and not only in fellowship of encouraging one another, but in our outreach to other people. There are folks that will come to your house that will never come inside this building until they get to know you a little bit better. Get in a small group. Have some hospitality practice. Invite somebody. Invite the person you think won't come the most. And watch God work. It's pretty exciting. This rejected group of people by religious leaders should have been the very ones they were looking for. Touch the untouchables in life. You, because of Jesus Christ, you are no longer disgusting. You are clean, cleansed. You are no longer guilty. You are forgiven. You are no longer outcast. You are loved. Jesus is in the business of taking the good news of the kingdom to everybody. The disgusting, the cripples, the folks making the most money in the whole community. He loves everybody. And he wants everybody to come to this same relationship. That they can have confidence in the fact that they are forgiven. So really the question is, is there a dark spot in your heart that's disgusting to you? Is there something there that hadn't been dealt with yet that needs just to be dealt with? Have you never named the name of Jesus? 
If you've never named the name of Jesus Lord of your life, we've got a baptism back here that's ready. That's like we say, you know, the water's fine, come on in, right? Be baptized into Christ, wash away all your sins, and start brand new, born of the water and the Spirit. You can do that right now today. You can do it today. You don't have to wait. And if somehow or another you've been attacked by the evil one and you've been crippled by your, by your own sinful uh, actions and you want to get rid of that, and you need to hear the words all over again, you are forgiven, that's what a family is here for, to help each other. Don't walk out of this building today without knowing 100% sure you are right with God. Not because of what you've done, but because of what He has done and is doing for us. The story of Jesus is still powerful to change the hearts of men. A guy asked me recently, he said, Mike, what do you tell people who aren't believers? You know, they say they're atheists, they don't believe in the Bible. What do you, what do you share with them? I said, I share with them the story of Jesus. Yeah, but they don't even believe it. I said, it doesn't matter. The power, it does not lie in their ability to understand. The power lies in the message of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. The gospel is the power of God and the salvation. Not their intellect and not mine. The gospel is the power of God and salvation. To everyone who believes. That good news still has the power to save. The old song says, There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Say yes to the blood of the Lamb. If you have a need, come while we stand and sing.